you seen it? Okay, I want everyone to get good and relaxed, and I want you to close your eyes. Just get very comfortable. I'll make sure you don't go to sleep. Now, with your eyes closed, when I say the good life, what comes to you? What did you see? Were you sitting on some beach in the Caribbean with a pina colada in your hand, basking in the sun? Maybe you were retiring with absolutely no financial worries. Maybe you could see the kids' education paid for, and it didn't matter where they were going to school. My assumption is that the first image, the phrase, the good life brings to us is images of economic security. The good life is getting as much of the world's goods as you can carry away or at least charge. And the goal of the good life is summed up with the expression, he or she who dies with the most toys wins. So have you arrived at the good life, can you afford your image of the good life? Have you heard the story of Lisa Bonder Kirkovan? She is a 36-year-old former tennis star who is demanding $320,000 a month in child support from her former husband, who is an 84-year-old billionaire, Kirk. Kirkovan. Here is some of the breakdown of the, her needs for her three-year-old child for that $320,000 a month. $14,000 a month for parties. Pretty good for a three-year-old. $5,900 a month for eating out. $4,300 a month for eating in. $2,500 a month for movies. $7,000 a month for charitable contributions. Send this woman a pledge card quickly. $1,400 a month for laundry. And this is my favorite of all. $435 a month for the care of the pet rabbit. My cat would think it had died and gone to heaven. And last, $144,000 a month for air travel in private jets. I'm not making this up, folks. You think you could live on that? Now, when you hear this, don't you say, what's wrong with this person? $320,000 a month? You got to be kidding. But did you ever consider that the way we look at that mother is how much of the rest of the world looks at you and me? We have produced the richest and the most indulgent society in history. Excess has come to be seen as normal among us. Now, everyone pull out your insert out of your bulletin. 
It has the questions y'all can discuss at lunch. And on the other side is a cartoon that we're going to sing to the tune of America. And my apologies first to Kevin Sires for using a political cartoon from someone else. Has everybody got the cartoon? I know, Kevin, I know. It's tough, baby. It's tough. Are you ready to sing? Oh, beautiful for super size, for ample rows of game, for portly mountains we become, while in the drive-through lane, America, America, God shed some pounds on. to take this cartoon and put it on your fridge and when you go for the late night snack as I am prone to do you are to look at it and be reminded of the excess of our culture to much of the world we live the good life but do you feel like you live the good life or do you feel anxious about the life that you live? How many of us feel anxious when it comes to money? Raise your hands. You know, a lot of us feel anxious about that. Have you ever thought that the ones who make some of the most money in our society are those who ease our anxieties? Lawyers and pharmaceutical companies. They ease our anxieties. Now, in our culture, the ticket to the good life has been education. This is the mantra for those who are poor, middle class, and rich. Get a good education. Education is the great leveler in our society. Our education system is different from most of the rest of the world, but we see education as a right of everyone. Without it, you are stuck at a certain level, but with it, you can break out of where you are. Economic security is the setting for the good life. Education is the ticket to that good life. But recently, this definition has changed. Something has happened that has let us know that what we've been sold about the good life isn't working. Everyone say with me September the 11th. September the 11th changed everything because neither wealth nor education kept us safe. The security that was associated with the good life isn't the same as it was before September the 11th. You remember that day? I remember Jennifer Appleby coming to pick up her kids at DCDC and she had the look in her eyes, I cannot keep my kids safe. And I remember Jennifer coming up to me and said, I just need a hug. I don't think that feeling has gone away. Church was full for two Sundays before the anxiety started wearing off. But the anxiety has not left us. It's still here. 
right beneath the surface, ready to pop out. September 11th changed the question from what is the good life to what makes life good. How would you answer that question? What makes your life good? And the assumption here is that people really do desire to be and to do good. They want to make a good life for themselves and their loved ones. Now, that question brought up a distinct memory from my Carolina days, Steve. Most of the students ate at Lenore Hall, whereas we said we ate Slater's Slop. Slater was the company who provided the food. And there was this older woman, a woman from the town of Chapel Hill, who would eat there. I don't remember her name, but I do distinctly remember her. She was the butt of a lot of jokes and a lot of disrespect because she took it as her mission in life to correct the manners of Carolina students. I would call that a true voice crying in the wilderness. And the longer I've lived, the more I think the woman got it right because she was simply trying to make us courteous to each other. Courtesy has been defined as the art of living with yourself and others. Well, how well do you think we're doing on that? Look at political discourse these days. Maybe that lady does have something to teach. How about where we work or maybe where we live? What would change if we are more courteous to each other? Now, at ordination, someone brought one of those air horns that you hear at high school graduations. And when the bishop was getting ready to lay his hands on this candidate, yeah, Nancy's already going like this, stood up and blew the air horn. And the bishop stopped the service and looked out at the congregation and reminded them what the purpose of ordination was and how air horns had no place. And I would triggered in me a memory of old Russ Monfort doing a wedding one time. And the photographer was walking all over the church taking pictures and coming around the side. And Russ just stopped the service. Looked at the photographer and said, when you are through, I will begin again. Whoa, embarrassing, isn't it? What Russ and the bishop both were doing were talking about courtesy, the art of living with yourself and others. Tonight we're going to see the movie Wall Street. I hope a bunch of y'all will come. It's not for the kids. Amy's going to fix us up with Shrek for the kids. But I want all of you who are good corporate types, lawyers, those who work in banks, to come and tell me, does this movie ring true for you or not? and where it does. I want you to be able to answer the question in the movie, what does it mean for you to stare into the abyss? The movie portrays the tangible fruit of what we think the good life is. Success, wealth, sex, beautiful people, and possessions. But it also portrays what makes life good. Family, loyalty to a greater good, looking after the whole rather than the part. The movie implies that you and I already know what makes life good.
Joe Spencer sent me Charles Schutz's philosophy about life. And he asked if the creator of Peanuts didn't have it straight. See what you think. Name the five richest people in the world. Name the last five Heisman Trophy winners. Name the last five winners of the Miss America contest. Name ten people who have won the Nobel or Pulitzer Prize. Name the last half dozen Academy Award winner of Best Actor or Actress. Name the last decade's worth today. And these are no second-rate achievers. They're the best in their fields. But the applause dies, awards tarnish, achievements are forgotten. Accolades and certificates are buried with their owners. Here's another quiz. See how you do on this one. List a few teachers who aided your journey through school. Name three friends who helped you through a difficult time. Name five people who taught you something worthwhile. Think of a few people who have made you feel appreciated and special. Think of five people you enjoy spending time with. Easier? The lesson is the people who make a difference in your life are not the ones with the most credentials, the most money, the most awards. They are the ones who care. Pass this on to those who make a difference in your life. And remember this last bit of his philosophy. Don't worry about the world coming to an end. It's already tomorrow in Australia. Doesn't that sound very close to what Laurie Tate read from Micah? The Lord has told us what is good. We know what is good. To do justice concerns providing equity for all. How well do we do on that, or do we think certain people ought to have an edge? To do kindness, which literally means solidarity with those in need or trouble. It is to treat them as family or kin. And to walk humbly literally means to choose wisely. We know what is good. The demand of Christian ethics is not knowing it, but acting on what you know. I got a Father's Day story for you that I got from Mark Stevens, and I share with his permission. We all know what a pain Mark can be about process. Would someone give me an amen? There you know. Mark was refereeing for his daughter Gabby's soccer game. Bad mistake. Gabby made her first goal in a game, but she was out of position. Mark called it on her. Can you believe that? I mean, let me, let's all hear a boo, boo to the ref, you know? I mean, couldn't he have overlooked that? Is that being a good parent? But if you don't give clear boundaries, what happens? What's the problem with athletes using steroids? If it gives you an edge, what's wrong with that? What is wrong with trading mutual funds after hours for the big clients? It doesn't take that much from the smaller clients. What's the problem with spending intelligence to fit the scenario you need to convince the country to go to war if a bigger goal is accomplished? 
by the way. Gabby didn't get upset at her dad at the call. Her mother might have, but Gabby didn't. Because she knew she was out of place. Courtesy. The art of living with yourself and others. We know what is good. Can we do it? And that's the question. Isn't it? The issue here in Micah is not an issue of willpower. The issue is a lack of gratitude to God. The author tells us that God has continually done for us, but to acknowledge that entails obligations, justice, kindness, choosing wisely. And who wants to be obligated? It's like the story of the two Yankee fishermen. They were out fishing when they were suddenly enveloped with this thick pea soup of a fog, and they heard this huge ship bearing down on them. One of the fishermen said to the other, I'll work the oars, you pray. And the other assumed the posture of prayer. Just as he was about to pray, the fog lifted, the ship swerved, and they were saved. The one who was manning the oars said to the one who was about to pray, Now don't say a word. No need to be beholden. That's us, isn't it? We only arrive at the good life, according to Michael, when we know that God is good, that God loves us, that God doesn't let us go. Because only then can we be good and loving. Only as we know there is something bigger beyond ourselves can we act in ways bigger for something larger in life. Maybe another way to put this is being rich is knowing what you already have. The question has changed from what is the good life to what makes life good. And we know what makes life good. We know it's better to tell the truth than to lie, to be loyal than to be disloyal, better to love than to hate. We know the golden rule is still the standard by which to live. We still believe in humility, modesty, honesty, integrity, fidelity, fortitude, and courage. Which is why movies like Braveheart and Gladiator still speak to us. We know. The question is, can we afford these virtues of goodness? Because in living them out, it will cost us. But there is a bigger question than can we afford them. And that question is, can we not afford them in the long run? Amen.